Hey everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, the food fan here at Food Fan Headquarters with another exciting episode of Asheville Food Fans. It's a podcast that I record throughout the week and then I put it together for broadcast on WPVM 103.7 FM, the voice of Asheville, broadcasting to the world. All right, everybody, I've got a great show for you this week, a real good interview coming up with my good friend, Chef Tom LaFauci from Twisted Laurel. He's not just one of my favorite chefs, he's one of my favorite people. So I'm always happy to have my friends in the food industry on my show. And if you're in the food industry or even tangentially attached to the food industry and you want to discuss something with me, please reach out to me at stuhelmavl at gmail.com. That's S-T-U-H-E-L-M-A-V-L at gmail.com. And uh, I'll get back to you. So apart from the interview, I like to do some reviews and stuff. And today I want to make a little review of a couple of places over there in West Asheville. Now, West Asheville, in case you're listening to this show from another part of the country, is just like Asheville except for it's not anything like Asheville. It's on the other side of the French Broad River, and it used to be its own little town, but then it got absorbed by Asheville. So it is technically part of the city of Asheville, but it's very much not like a city. It's like a very small town, or it feels like that to me. It does have a main drag or a main street that runs through it called Haywood Street. And uh, the uh, most of everything in West Asheville is along Haywood Street. And there is also Patton Ave, but that's like a big major, I don't know, six-lane highway, eight-lane highway type of thing going on. Uh, and there are independent restaurants and stuff out there, and those are definitely worth paying a visit to. But today I am talking almost exclusively about they're entirely about a couple of places on Haywood Ave. And so you know that my wife and I like to do a little something in downtown Asheville that we call a snack and saunter. And that is just us walking through downtown, enjoying downtown Asheville and eating at three or four places while we do it. And we have small bites, low alcohol beverages for her, coffee beverages and non-alcoholic beverages for me. And uh, and it's a lot of fun. And so this is something that we do on the reg- on a regular basis. We have some new favorites over in West Asheville, so we decided to do a little snack and saunter there. And uh, the thing about Haywood Ave is it's not entirely saunterable. There are long parts of it where there's nothing going on, and it's really hot, and there's no shade or protection from the rain if it's raining. And uh, so it's not easy to just like walk from, let's say, Tasty Diner to Leo's House of Thirst. (laughs) So that's just not something you can do. Um, Or I mean, you can 100% you can do it. It's just not on a hot day, it's going to be very unpleasant. On any day, it's going to be a pretty long walk. And uh, yeah, on a colder rainy day, also unpleasant. But so just West Asheville is more like stretched out than downtown. Downtown, you can walk in a circle. West Asheville, you got to kind of walk in a line. Maybe that's the easiest way to explain it. And I'm sure most of the people listening to this 
are very familiar with the difference between downtown and West Asheville. I hope I have some listeners from outside the area. If you're listening to this show from outside the Asheville area, please send me an email and let me know about that. Again, S-T-U-H-E-L-M-A-V-L at gmail.com. So anyways, Don and I decided to just do a a two-stop snack and saunter, and we weren't even sauntering. We were getting in the car. So we drove over to West Asheville. We went to Nang Juniors, and this was the impetus of the whole thing, is Don and I have a rolling reservation at Nang's. This is something that she signed up for. I don't know how she did it, so don't be asking me. Find out on your own. But whenever there's a seat available or a reservation becomes available, we get a notification and we have a chance to take it or not take it. And so we take it every time. We've now been to Nang six times. So we decided to try to integrate them into our snack and saunter. And we went there and we just got the fruit dish, which you know I love so much that I gave it an award. It was my side dish of the year in 2022. And it's just a dish of fruit. I love it. It comes with some sea salt on it and some fish sauce. And that's the coup de gras right there. All the fruit is super in season. It's no out of season fruit. So this was called autumn fruit. And uh, it was delicious. And Don had a drink and I had a mocktail and boom, we were out of there. And guess what? The next time we go to Nang's, we are going to eat more than just the fruit. This was sort of... Well, it was kind of fun to just come and go. It was like next time we get to Nang's, we ain't going to come and go. We're going to eat. It was killing me to look at the menu and to look at the other food. And if you haven't been to Nang Juniors, get a reservation. Get on that rolling reservation if you can. All right. So then we we enjoyed the fruit. We ski-daddled on out of there. And then we went to Leo's House of Thirst. And we drove up there. And we got parking, which was nice. It's not always easy in that little area there. And we decided to just eat a meal. We just we started out with just a couple of things and then we ordered a couple of things more. And before we were we knew what was happening, we'd eaten a meal. So we went there just so that Don could have some raw oysters. And I wanted to get the deviled eggs. The deviled eggs are really great. They've got some, I don't know, candied bacon and some hot stuff on them. And they're just really fluffy and tasty and great. And I love them. And I had, we ordered a, a half dozen oysters and they were awesome. They don't, the funny thing is at Leo's, they don't give you the choice of whether you want mignonette or not. It, it's on there, y'all. They put some on every single oyster and some hot chili oil. The mignonette nor the oil were overpowering and you did get to taste the briny deliciousness of the oysters and the oysters were of a nice size and texture uh i i'm a person who doesn't like enormous oysters i like them from small to medium mostly i'll eat enormous ones but once they get too big i say batter them and deep fry them baby and give them to me on a roll and oops i just swore i'll have to take that out um all right so we just went there to get that but then we started looking at the menu and there's a half chicken dinner on the menu and don and i we love to eat a half chicken dinner just one of our favorite things and it came with chanterelle mushrooms, or is that what they're called? Chanterelles? I think so. And boy, howdy, it was freaking great. There were loads and loads and loads of capers on it. And that's too many capers for me. So we didn't eat a lot of capers, but they were just there for flavor, in my opinion. And they contributed a nice, salty quality to the flavor. And the mushrooms and the chicken were just perfect. It was all bone-in chicken. 
and white meat for me, dark meat for Don, a nice sauce created by the mushrooms and the chicken. And if you go to Facebook, look on Stu Helm food fan on Facebook and you'll, and on Instagram and you'll see beautiful pictures of this beautiful dish. It was very photogenic and the light we sat outside at Leo's and the lighting was great. And geez, I feel like I'm boring you to death with these detailed descriptions of food, but that's why you tune in, right? Uh, it came with a side salad. It was lovely. Everything at Leo's that I've had has been awesome. I had some bucatini there one time that was to die for. It's it's going to be up for an award. It was so good. Uh, my Stuby Awards, I'll announce the nominees in January, so they're quite a ways off. But I have a lot of places to eat at, a lot of food to try before then. But Leo's is high on my list for nominations in the many awards that I, I give out 24 awards and they are looking at being nominated for a couple of them at least this year. So I, I'd heard great things about Leo's. I, I'm not by any means like discovering Leo's and letting the world know that doesn't know the world already knows about Leo's. But if you don't know about Leo's, get on in. And if you haven't been in a while, get in while that chicken is on the menu because the bucatini was no longer on the menu, which I was actually glad because I would have been forced to order it again. And I did want to try something new. Anyways, there you go. A quick review of, or, or a not so quick review of Leo's house of thirst. And then we ended our snack and saunter and we got in the car and we went home and somebody asked online, did, uh, was it enough food for two people? And combined with the little side of fruit that we got at Nang Jr.'s, it was more than enough food. And we brought some of the chicken and mushrooms home and Dawn added those and put them in the fridge. And the next day, Dawn added them to her nightly giant salad that she makes. She shredded up the chicken, put the mushrooms in, and it was perfect. So more than enough food at Leo's. Highly recommended. All right, let's get on with the rest of the show. Hey everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, a food fan here in Food Fan Headquarters, and I have another special guest. All of my guests are special, I know I say that every week, and it's true every week, but maybe this week's guest is a little more special than most, because he's not just one of my favorite people in the food industry, he's one of my favorite people, period. It's Chef Tom LaFauci from Twisted Laurel. Hey Chef Tom, how are you? Hello sir, how are you today? I'm doing great, man. It's it's great to see you like I never see you. Yeah, <laughs> like we never see each other. Yeah, Tom and I see each other about two or three times a week, depending on how many food tours I might have going that week. But I go into Twisted Laurel downtown Asheville every chance I can with a food tour. Uh, and Tom is a major reason why, of course. He sets the menu. He's the executive chef over there. He was my Chef of the Year winner for 2023, and he also won both of my Burger of the Year winners. And, Tom, we'll talk specifically about burgers in a moment, but let's uh, let's give the people a little bit of background on you. You're, you're not exactly like in the news all the time, like some of our chefs. So let's let's introduce you to some people and reiterate it for people who already know you. What's your deal? Where'd you come from? What are you doing here? Um, you know, so we want to go all the way back. Uh, born and raised in New Jersey. Uh, moved to the Carolinas when I was 24. So that was May of 98. I moved to Charlotte. Um, 
worked uh, worked and lived in Charlotte for about 20 years um, and then moved to Western North Carolina in October of 2018. Uh, been with Twisted Laurel uh, since August of 19. So, yeah, we just had my, my four-year anniversary there. Um, I've done pretty much everything uh, in the, the hospitality industry, you know, except own one. You know, I've been a line cook, been a dishwasher, been a sous chef, been a chef, been a front of the house manager, been a general manager, um, done pretty much everything um, in all different sort of level levels too, you know, from fast casual to, to fine dining and sort of everywhere in between. So it's a, uh, yeah. And this summer is 30 years in the business uh, for me. So yeah, it's, it's been a, a crazy ride. That's, Tom, I know you well enough to say that you, you say all of that with the deadpan <laughs> delivery <laughs> of somebody who's been in the food industry for 30 years. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, well, you've certainly done a lot from, I mean, I happen to know that you were part of a competitive barbecue team for a little while. Uh, how many years yeah. did you do that for, Chef? We did that for, what, 06 to... 14. So eight years, we did it on a, on a very regular basis. I mean, we're doing the most we did, we did upward, we did, you know, five, six competitions a year, uh, traveled around, uh, Carolinas. We went to Tennessee once. Um, yeah, no, we did, we did, uh, mostly we got into KCBS, which is the Kansas city barbecue society, um, tournaments. They have one down in, uh, in Shelby every year, which is one of the bigger ones, uh, at least in North Carolina. Uh, we've done, you know, ones out in Kannapolis, North Carolina. They had a big one in Charlotte for a while. Uh, we actually, one of those we competed in, when was I there? It was 2010. Uh, we took second out of 50 teams in ribs. Um, yeah, no, competitive barbecue is fun, man. Um, it's, you know, it, 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 but it's a different type of cooking, you know what I mean? Where if you're running a barbecue restaurant and, or any restaurant for that matter, but you know, you're, you're trying to feed 200, 300, 400 people a day. Um, mm -hmm. So you're, there's a lot of different, you, when you're doing competitive barbecue, you literally have to make like six perfect bites and they give you like 30 hours to do that. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah, I've so never, I've never been to a, a, like a real barbecue competition. Like I've been to a couple of like little throwdowns and stuff, but yeah. there wasn't a lot of money on the line or anything like that. But you did this for your job, correct? Like, uh, no, this, this was, <laughs> we did this on our days off. This was oh. just an extracurricular thing. Okay. Um, it was my brother, my, my late brother-in-law had, and myself, uh, started the team. We were the Hammer Mill Barbecue Company um, back in 06. Uh, and we did it. You know, it was just kind of a thing we did. It was just, you know, hey, this would be fun to do. Okay. <laughs> you know? so. so we we did it. I mean, we went out there with the one little, you know, offset pit. I, I, it was funny. My my I had talked to my, my wife about doing this and she was like, well, you know, we got to get a cooker and everything. And I was like, I'll save up some money. And she was like, well, how about this? I'll pick up. She was a server at the time. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I'll pick up a double. She was working lunch. She's like, I'll pick up a, a lunch, a dinner shift. Whatever money I make on the dinner shift will put towards the smoker. I was like, okay. Um, yeah. And she ended Dang. up making enough money to actually buy the smoker. 
now, now, when I, now, when I say smoker, we didn't have a like one of those you know, trailer, you know, 250 gallon or 500 gallon pit. It was, and this is back in like 05 or 04 even. Um, it was a it was a hundred and fifty dollar Home Depot little offset smoker, okay. little stick burner. All right, um, but it you know you learn how to cook on it, and we ended up actually, you know, cooking good enough barbecue to win competitions, and you know we took first a couple times and second and third a lot of times, and that you know made made it worthwhile to do. It made it fun. So okay, yeah, a bunch of a uh, bunch of people from New Jersey winning. Uh, barbecue competitions up here in North Carolina. Uh, that's How about a, that? That's a pretty, that's a badge of honor. I would imagine that like uh, you're able to say we won barbecue competitions in North Carolina. Yeah. I mean, and they were in large competitions. I mean, they were, you know, like the, the biggest one we ever did was every year was in Charlotte. Uh, and okay. we had, uh, like I said, mostly it was anywhere from 35 to 50 teams we went up against. Um, and like I said, the one year we took second in ribs out of fifty. That's um, pretty good. Yeah, we did okay. Uh, and, we, we and put out some food. What what is the appeal of? I know what the appeal of eating barbecue is. What is the appeal of making barbecue? Because I'm I'm the first person to admit that by the time I get my home barbecue thing going and ready to throw a steak on there, I could have already cooked that steak and eaten it if I had cooked it on the stovetop. So. I'm not a person that even has a barbecue machine anymore. I don't even know what they're called. The barbecuery. Tom, what is the appeal? <laughs> well, when you say barbecue, it's a, it's a very different, but when I, where I grew up and you're from the North too. Right. So when you say barbecue, it's, you know, it's a, a gas pit. It, it's a gas grill with some chicken legs on it and maybe some barbecue sauce out of a, out of a jar. Which is so, that, and that's that's what I was grow. That's what I grew up on. And Tom, it, it gets even worse. Like where I'm from, hot dogs and hamburgers on a grill yeah. counts as barbecue, right? Yeah. So I guess what that's what I'm talking. Let's just talk in general terms. Let's say outdoor cooking. Uh, what is the appeal to you, and what do you think for humanity for cooking outdoors? Because I'm I'm from an alien planet, man. It doesn't appeal to me. <laughs> Explain it to uh -oh. me like I just got here. <laughs> You know, it's 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 a much more primal way. I guess primal is probably the right word. Primal way of cooking. Um, you actually have to invest some time in it. Um, it it's a very bar, cooking barbecue is a very different way of cooking. It's not where you you know set the oven to three fifty and you put a roast in and you know wait till the timer goes off. Mm -hmm. um, you have to maintain a you have to start a fire. You have to maintain a fire. You have to control a fire. You know, you can't uh -huh. just keep, you know, throw a ton of logs in there and, you know, just have a, a, a raging blaze in there. You have to control air and make sure it's enough smoke. And, um, because if it's too much, if it's too hot, you end up burning it. If it's too cold of a fire, you get too much smoke. If you run the, you know, the wrong wood, it's, you get, it, it's, it's taking a, a large piece of meat that would normally not be, not you couldn't cook by normal methods and transforming it into something that's really really delicious you know i mean barbecue came kind of i mean barbecue came out of poverty you know it was you know folks were you know all the the rich folks would get like the filet mignons and the ribeyes and the new york strips and everything was great but 
there were other the the, the rest of us, <laughs> you know, would get you know a a, a pork shoulder or you know a a rack of beef ribs, and you can't just throw that in the oven and thirty minutes later have something delicious. You have to actually have some real cooking skill, and it's understanding heat and temperature control and it, it's you know it's 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 not a it's not a sprint it's a marathon so you have to i'm i want to pick up on one point you made because i think that what i'm understanding is that to some degree it satisfies a primal urge to control the elements yeah i mean you're controlling you 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 are you control fire okay. and air so it's a promethean urge to control <laughs> fire and to cook the uncookable uh, the out of either the, desire or necessity the caveman kind of thing sure yeah, yeah. cooking and meat so, over fire why not you think that's in, in your dna tom the, the urge to control fire and cook and, and cook animals i i <laughs> okay <laughs> uh i mean you know i mean yeah I guess yeah. in yeah. a very weird way. Sure. No, I, um, I, I agree. It's in, it's in my DNA to light things on fire too. It's just, yeah. I'm just such a greedy person. I'd be, I'd be like, yeah, I'd be the caveman. I'd be like, you cook it. Right. <laughs> just bring it to me when it's ready. Right. I'm going to blow some, <laughs> some paint on my hand against the wall. That's what I'll be doing while you cook some bison over there. Um so, Tom, let's talk about Twisted Laurel a little bit because it is one of my favorite restaurants. I always say not just in my heart, but also by the numbers. I ate there more than any other restaurant in 2022. Gave you my Chef of the Year Award, my two of my Burger of the Year Awards in the past. You've been my Restaurant of the Year Award and my Hunks of Meat Award winner. So, obviously, I really like what you're doing there at Twisted Laurel. You turn that big boat around because it wasn't going to make it before you got there. That's just what I'm saying. And uh, how did you, what, what did it look like when you got there? And if you could, in like an elevator speech, how'd you turn that baby around? You know, when, when I got there, it was, you know, we, we were struggling. Um, you know, we had gone through, a couple, you know, the company had gone through a couple of chefs and a couple, you know, they, they were just having, they were, we were having, you know, we were having, we had opportunities. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I got there, it, it was just, I'm, I don't know, I guess I'm just kind of a return to basics kind of guy when you're in a situation like that. I don't want to overcomplicate things. So you want to be able to just kind of get it going forward in, in, in one's, you know, singular direction and then build upon that. So, you know, I, my, you know, my food and kind of like my, my food philosophy is I don't really like to overcomplicate things. There are so many good things already. That other people have come up with yeah i just tried to do things really well with really good ingredients mm -hmm. and that's what we tried to do we we, we didn't want to scare people away with you know different techniques or you know ingredients that they you know, guess wouldn't know where they came from or how do you cook this you know if, if, if you're reading a menu and you don't necessarily understand what the descriptions of the food are um i tend it kind of tends turns me off i'm kind of a meat potatoes you know, I'm a pretty simple guy, um, you know, so and that's kind of like what I like to cook, yeah. you know, just really good food. We try to do everything from scratch um, and, you know, just food people recognize and just do it at a very high level. So that's yeah. what we that's what we we instilled right away. Um, 
and we got it going in the right direction. Um, that is my dog Otto. It's apparently something outside, so he's 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 protecting the perimeter. He's fine. All right, there might be some <laughs> bears in your yard. Um, well, you know um, what I always say about your food, Tom. It's food people like, and people don't have to learn new vocabulary words in order to enjoy the food on your menu. And there are plenty of places in Asheville that have complicated menus that have a lot of words that I don't know, like, uh, you know, Spanish words and whatnot um, and fancy words that I don't know. But so your menu is very accessible, but uh, like, let's not downplay it or, or undersell it because you are a sauce master, Tom, and you make some of the best sauces in this city. And you really uh, you serve a great steak and make house-made pastas that are amongst the best in the city. And, yeah, it's a, it's a great restaurant that you can bring anybody to. And when you first opened and you weren't there, and my apologies to the people who were there, it, it just wasn't going to make it here in Asheville. It just was not going to happen. But you turned it around, Tom. I mean, it, it, it all comes down to technique. It comes down to... You know, first of all, thank you very much. Those are very nice words, very nice things for you to say. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, we, you know, probably the the middle of my career. That's all I really did. I was I was a sauce guy. I did sauce, sauces and soups and stocks, and that was my main focus um, for probably a decade. Um, you know, so we like I, I've carried that over into all the other all the other. Uh, uh, places i've worked you know i i try to you know we try to do as much from scratch as possible um you know twisted lore will probably a 95 percent scratch kitchen um you know i'm buying i'm buying mayonnaise and i'm buying ketchup and i'm buying burger buns um but pretty much everything else we do is is from scratch uh and fresh um mm -hmm. you know you got you got to be able to uh, i guess i'm you know i guess i'm old school in the sense that i think you gotta if you're gonna cook you gotta be able to use a knife you gotta be able to do basic things uh, and not have it. You, know, you can always have it pre-done for you, but then I think it takes some of the, some of the ownership out of it, not just the charm. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people are like, well, you know, it takes some of the charm out of it. Yeah. And I agree with that to a certain point, but I think it takes, it takes some of the ownership out of it. Yeah. You know, if you, if, if you're actually got your hands and you're over a cutting board and you're cutting fish or you're standing over a stove and, you know, you know, our veal, you know, we do veal stock at the restaurant and chicken stock. Those are the two main stocks we use. My chicken stock takes at least 12 hours. The veal stock takes three days. Um, wow. Yeah. Anything you make just, that you say, oh, we start with our veal stock. That's when my salivation glands start to activate and my eyes start to roll into the back <laughs> of my head because your veal stock is awesome. And everything that comes up from there in terms of the sauces is fantastic. And Tom, yeah. Your, your menu is simple, but it has to stay competitive in Asheville. So making all that stuff, 95% scratch made in kitchen, is part of why you're competitive in at downtown Asheville, which is a super farm-to-table town. So uh, people are sourcing straight from farmers, like no joke. The farmers come downtown looking like farmers, like with dirt on their knees yeah. and stuff. And, uh, and I know you guys are sourcing from local mushroom farms and – just making stuff scratch made in house is one of the reasons why you're competitive in downtown Asheville. But Tom, let's talk a little bit about downtown Asheville because 
downtown has always been a place of booms and busts and booms and busts. And we've been riding a boom for a long time. And I think we hit a little bit of a bust right now. And I'm not sure that the hard times are over just yet. Uh, the uh, overhead for restaurants and the uh, food, which includes food costs, staffing and rent, it's really high. And you and I have talked about these issues a lot. And um, recently, and we don't have to name any names, Tom, we had a discussion about burgers. And you make my two favorite burgers in town already, your Smash Burger and your JC Burger, the Julia Child. And you've been testing out some new burgers on me, and they've been great. And you've been talking to me about getting fancy with your burgers. And you cited the fact that there is a $29 burger downtown on one of the menus in downtown. And you said, hey, I might go in that direction. I might buy some Wagyu or forget if you said Wagyu or Kobe, but some high-end beef and do like a super high-end burger. And while I would eat the, you know, insert expletive here, I would eat the crap out of that. Um, I said, Tom, I'm not sure that's the way to go. The restaurants that I know that are doing really well right now have a low price point. Uh, for food. And I feel that the wave is kind of like going towards let's get less fancy and more affordable. Now, you and I had to talk about that, but what are your feelings on that right now? I mean, do you want to fight me over it or do you want to be in complete agreement or do you want to uh, go half and half? <laughs> um, all right. So, so it, it, it's funny we're having, we're talking about this now because we're working on our fall menu right now. Right. So, you know, we're, I'm, I'm working with my sous chef and trying to discuss with my general manager kind of the direction we want to go. You know, it's, it's, I mean, just buying ingredients is the toughest part right now, um, especially beef prices. Beef prices are high. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I wish I could buy, you know, you know, really, you know, gr you know, gr gr grass fed, grass finished, you know, dry I wish I could buy all that because I know it would make the product better um but then I'm you know you know just doing simple math to serve a kind of a steak in the you know style that we we do at Twisted Laurel you know you're talking I have to charge $45 for it $50 right. for it right you know and and yeah. that's not even and that's not even with you know we are we buy you know choice enough so I mean we're not we're not buying you know we're not buying bad stuff no, your um, steaks are great. Yeah, I mean, we, we buy it, we buy a quality product and we cook it correctly. But for us to continue to do that, it it, it kind of takes us into a place where you know it's difficult for someone to go out and enjoy enjoy a steak with us when you know you're talking, you know, when dinner for two is a hundred dollars. You know, just food. Uh, mm -hmm. You get a cocktail or two, and all of a sudden, it, it's not that. Um, you know, so being able to still give guess a great experience with great ingredients but keep it in that sort of affordable affordable sort of price range is is really becoming is really becoming something that at least I, I know I'm trying to focus on you know we're, we're talking about doing you know different proteins but still being you know different things that allow us to sort of stay in that affordable price point I think our pasta program really helps us with that um you know we when I started at Twisted Laurel, you know, we were all, we did a dried pasta, we had a dried pasta program and they were good and they were working for a long time for our company. Um, but 
you know, when I got in there, we started a transition over to a fresh pasta program, started introducing different fresh pasta dishes. Now, now our entire pasta program is 100% from scratch. Um, and whatever we can produce in house, uh, we have a, a partner, a, a vendor partner out of Knoxville that can do different extruded shapes for us. Um, so it gives us that sort of flexibility to keep us in that, in that sort of that pocket where, you know, we can put a great, something great on the plate and still keep it affordable. Um, you know, new, our, like with our fall menu, we're talking about, you know, possibly doing, uh, doing, putting some more pork or chicken on the menu and, you know, doing it a little, you know, kind of elevating that a little bit. Um, just because, you know, I don't, I don't want to have to put a $47 price tag on my menu. Not that I don't want to, I didn't, I, not that I don't think we could sell it, but at the same time, I don't want to push, I don't want guests to see that and, and, and sort of push guests away. Yeah. You know, I with, mean, right now people, the guests are really feeling the price tag too, because the price yeah. of at like telling you what a $29 burger on a menu that hurts the heart of a lot of the uh, eaters out there. Not, not just because burgers are bad for your heart, Tom, but because the price tag and you could tell yeah. me all day long, well, it's Wagyu beef. It's Wagyu beef. And it's like, still $30 and it's still a burger. You know, if I'm going to spend $30, I could actually get probably a petite filet someplace, uh, you know, for around that price. Um, so yeah, I told you that if you get too high with your burger price, it actually becomes a little bit of a laughing stock with the eaters. So the eaters are feeling that they want to support the restaurants, but you know, it's hard to, as you said, hundred dollars before drinks, and tip and that's uh, we don't mind paying a lot of money for great food we we do it all the time but well and as the thing is we you, you don't want to become a special occasion right you, yes you, know, you, you you don't want people to come in once a year you want them to come in once a week that's how you stay that's how you stay in business exactly tom <laughs> exactly so i feel like twisted laurel offers that it's it's high quality food in terms of the preparation the presentation the ingredients it might not be 100% farm-to-table artisanal like some of the restaurants downtown, but we don't need every restaurant downtown to be like that because those restaurants come with a huge price tag. And yeah. I, I feel like Twisted is kind of like the people's restaurant downtown. It's like very <laughs> egalitarian menu and affordable prices and still high quality. And in terms of, yeah, we'd all like that grass-fed beef every time. But I actually grew up eating grain-fed commodity beef, like most people did. And, and so that has right now a certain nostalgia factor for me with the flavor, which is very distinguished from like the grass-fed and the grain-fed do taste a lot different to me. And while I got used to the grass-fed and now I really like it, it's the grain-fed that touches my heart in a way again not because of the fat content of beef i don't mean to keep making that bad pun but i have nostalgic uh <laughs> triggers when i taste that grain-fed beef so i don't think it's a bad thing for the pendulum to swing like hey folks now we got 29 dollars grass-fed burgers or hey folks now we got 12 grain-fed burgers and they're just as tasty and a lot more affordable yeah. I mean, and, you know, it, it, it's a fine line. You know, I, I, I want to, you know, we, we still want to be able to provide a great experience, but we also want to, you know, use great ingredients. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's a very fine line between what we're doing um, and 
uh, you know, and, and what, what we're doing and keeping our concept together mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, kind of giving guests what they want. So, um, yeah. Well, I think you guys are doing a great job. Obviously, I think so. And I think a lot of your guests think so. As I mentioned at the beginning of this interview, uh, I come in with food tours and I hear from them pretty often that they went back and that they enjoyed another meal. And in fact, I get I get repeat tour part people that take my tours every year when they come back to Asheville and they tell me that, oh, we we went to Twisted Laurel yesterday when we got back because of the last time we were here. So I yeah, know that it's, it's, it's fun when it, when it, when I, I one of the, the server will come back and be like, you know, table such and such as they were on a food tour. yesterday. They said they were on the food tour yesterday with Stu or Amy or whoever. Right. You know, and yeah. it's, it's cool because bringing people in and, and then I'll actually go out and say hello to them. And that really gets them charged up. Absolutely. So, yeah. And Tom, you're the consummate old school chef in so many ways, including you're what I call a, a table toucher. And I don't mean that in some sort of weird, perverted way. Tom. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean that you come out of the kitchen in your flower covered apron and you say hi to the guests and you ask them how the food was. And I think that that goes is right in keeping with what you've got on your menu in terms of old school dishes done just right. And so, yeah, not to fluff you up too much, but yeah, you're killing it, man. Well, thank you, brother. I appreciate that. All right, Tom, we've only got a few minutes, like literally just a couple minutes. Uh, I'm, I'm often asked to start up competitions again. I've done several competitions from pizza to pimento cheese to donuts, hot dogs. If I was going to start another competition Apart from barbecue, because we already know you're the pit master, what food item should I start a competition for, and would you participate? Wow. I don't know. Have you ever done a burger one? No. Burgers? Okay. Well, there was... I think it must have ended right when you got here because we used to have the Battle of the Burger every year here in Asheville. And that was run by a wonderful woman named Kelly Denson who had a company called Great All American Food Fights. And she did the burger battle and the wing war. And she also started a mac and cheese one that only went for one year, I think. Uh, I mean, it seems, it seems like it seems like most folks down down at least downtown have, you know, burgers in one form or another on their burger on their menu. You know, it it just seems like an accessible an accessible sort of uh, form, you know, that everybody can kind of relate to. So and there's a lot of interpretation, a lot of interpretations of what goes into a great burger. Okay. So your, your shout out for a new competition is to bring the battle of the burger back. Yeah. I mean, and I'm, I'm trying to think, it used to be down in the river arts district, right? It was down at salvage station. Correct. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I actually went to one. Now I'm thinking about it. Yeah. All right. Most uh, of the restaurants described it to me as a giant pain in the ass, but that they <laughs> also enjoyed doing it. <laughs> yeah. And, well, and yeah, when, can, you, when, when you got to do, you know, one perfect burger for the judges and then 300 miniature versions <laughs> for guests walking around, that's a pain in the butt. Yeah, I'm telling you what. And I, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody look more stressed out than Kelly Denson on Burger Battle Day. <laughs> so I'm not sure I want to step into that role. But uh, all right, Tom, one, one for Battle of the Burger. We'll try to bring that back for you, brother. In the meantime, you keep shoving them in my direction, and I'll tell you the winners when I taste them. Sounds good, man. Well, thanks, thanks for bringing me on, man. I appreciate it.
You don't know how much I appreciate you, Chef. Uh, have a wonderful day off. I know it's your only day off of the whole year, so enjoy it while you can. <laughs> Thanks for spending a little bit of it with me. Stu, we'll talk to you soon, okay? All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Chef Tommy. I sure loved talking to him. I do see him two or three times a week. And let me tell you, it's the joy of my life to be involved with the food scene and to meet and hang out with the wonderful people in Asheville's wonderful, wonderful food scene. And there, I just said the word wonderful three times, and then I said it again. So that's four. So that's how good things are. Um, But anyways... Now I want to do a new segment called Unsolicited Advice. I've got some unsolicited advice for all the restaurants out there. I know how much people love unsolicited advice. Just try to give me some and you'll get a blank expression. And I'll listen to every word you're saying. And in my head, I'm going, I did not ask you for any advice. And you don't know what the bleep you're talking about. Uh, So here's some unsolicited advice. And in case you didn't see my post on Facebook, I did sort of launch, quote unquote, launch a a restaurant consultation aspect to what I do. I told people I am now available as a restaurant consultant. And you can can go to my website, stewhelmfoodfan.com, and you can read my terms and little explanation. But the reason I did that is because people often ask me, for advice. And by often, I mean, occasionally. And, uh, and it happened twice in one week, two people wrote to me and they said, I'd love to pick your brain, quote unquote, pick your brain. And I thought to myself, "Eh, you know, I don't really have time for two people in one week to pick my brain. And they also offered to buy me lunch. And I have to be honest with you. Well, that's a wonderful offer. And I'm not trying to discourage anybody from offering to buy me lunch. I've got a long list of people that I need to eat lunch with, including my 82-year-old mom and uh, and my wife. And actually, Don doesn't eat a lot of lunch, but let's just say my work spouse, Patty. Um, so, you know, like I don't often have time for lunch. And so I decided, you know, I'll offer a half hour of advice on Zoom for free. And then if people want to hire me, they can. And I just basically put that on my website so that I could point people to that, so that I basically could tell them like, yeah, you can have a half hour of my time through Zoom. Uh, And Zoom is easy for me, using it right now to record this. Uh, So anyways, then I thought, well, maybe I'll start to give some unsolicited advice to the world in general, not specific restaurants, because I don't want them to hate me. And I hope you picked up, I was being sarcastic earlier about people enjoying unsolicited advice. They hate it. They hate unsolicited advice and restaurants are no exception, believe me. But uh, so, yeah, uh, here's some for you. Every restaurant in this town at this point in history, the world is different. The restaurant world is different. The customers are different. And anybody who owns a restaurant knows that. And I know that I am not a restaurateur. I've never run a restaurant. I should give my caveat. I've never run a restaurant in my life. I am not an expert on running restaurants. I have eaten at so many restaurants. I have I have done my 100,000 hours of eating at restaurants just in the last 10 years. And uh, 
I feel like I am an expert customer. And people ask me for my advice, so I'm willing to give it. Those are the reasons that I'm offering advice. And here's my advice for every restaurant out there. Ask yourself right now, do we have a signature dish? Simple question. Do we have a signature dish? And uh, maybe you don't need one. Maybe you're doing great. If you're doing great, you don't need this advice. But if you're sitting there wondering where your customers are or where they went, and you made a lot of adjustments during the pandemic period, and now it's time to keep adjusting. I know that sucks, but this one is an easy one, a fun one. Do we have a signature dish, a signature dish that people will come back for time and time again, something they will take a picture of and send to their friends and be like, you got to come to Sally Joe Ray's barbecue and sushi pit because this barbecued sushi burger, their signature dish that I've never had anywhere else is freaking amazing. That's you want your cut. Like this is for right now. This is not advice that I necessarily would have given people five years ago or three years ago. But right now I am saying, do you have a signature dish? And if you don't, here's the fun part. You could develop one and you could watch it take off like a rocket, make something super delicious, kind of decadent, unique, picture perfect, like photogenic, and uh, give it a name that's fun to say, but not too stupid, uh, like not too cringy, and uh, or just call it a Reuben if your signature dish is a Reuben, but start hyping that thing as your signature dish. And this right now, and the next time I say this is the last time I'm going to say signature dish. Get one. All right, there you go. Some unsolicited advice from Stu Helm, restaurant consultant. I think I'll make this a regular part of my show. Uh, giving, Giving my stuff away for free is just par for the course with me. So you can... You can just listen in and get all the unsolicited advice you ever wanted. Folks, I just want to remind you that Western North Carolina is one of the hunger hotspots of America. Although we might think of Asheville as Food City, USA, there are a lot of folks who live in and around here who are dealing with food insecurity on a daily basis. So if you can, please give to Mana Food Bank. MANA has been providing food to the people of Western North Carolina for 40 years. They do a great job, and they are a wonderful organization. So again, if you're able, please go to manafoodbank.org. That's M-A-N-N-A, manafoodbank.org, and give what you can to help out fighting hunger here in Western North Carolina. And now, back to the show. And now I want to do another quick review, this time of City Bakery, which I mentioned uh, in a past episode recently, had closed their downtown location, but their Charlotte Street location was staying open, their North Charlotte Street location. So we decided, my mom and I decided to go up there. I used to live right in that neighborhood, yo, and it was one of my haunts. Like I was in there just about 
every single day. So it was kind of like nice to go back in. It's changed a lot since I was there, but hey, change happens as we all know. And uh, so I just randomly, I decided to order a Rachel, which is a Reuben made with turkey instead of corned beef or pastrami. Uh, and I, I normally like Ruben, as you know, I just mentioned one just a minute ago when I was talking about the, the thing I said I wasn't going to say again. And uh, so, you know, I love them. I don't usually go for a Rachel, but I decided to do it and I'm glad I did, man. It was real, 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 real good. I got it, it was grilled to perfection it was buttery and decadent it's no way there's no way that this was like i'm gonna go on a diet and have a rachel instead of a reuben this was decadence man had a lot of butter involved it was came out of the kitchen just as hot as hot can be it was i had to let it cool down for a minute and i ate some kettle chips while i was doing that they served uh like um, just a bag of Cape Cod chips and so real crispy and stuff. <clears throat> and the uh, Rachel has, has a, like instead of sauerkraut, it had, this one has coleslaw on it, but the coleslaw is also real hot and soft. So it's almost like a cooked cabbage. Essentially, that's what it is. It's like a wilted coleslaw, I guess you could call it. And then the Russian dressing and it was really good. And I crushed the whole thing. And I even burned my mouth a little bit because I was so anxious to eat it. And then I got an apple fritter to bring home. And it was it was awesome. It was just crispy on the outside until you get into the heart. And then it was all moist and delicious. And uh, just like ate it. It broke apart into pieces. And I ate it a little bit at a time. And I totally loved it. And uh, yeah, that's my review of the City Bakery on Charlotte Street. So go and support them. It's actually a pretty tight mm, setup. So it was packed when we were in there. But go and support them and show them some love and let them know how much you're going to miss that downtown location. All right, folks. Uh, that's the end of the show. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. Thank you, Tom LaFauci, Chef Tom, for being my guest. Thank you, WPVM 103.7 FM, the voice of Asheville broadcasting to the world for taking my humble podcast and turning it into a radio broadcast. I think that's pretty cool. And uh, thank you for listening. And if you want to, please check me out on social media. I am Stu Helm, food fan on Facebook, Instagram, and Substack. You can listen to past episodes of this show on Substack or on Apple Podcasts or any of your podcast providers. And uh, if you eat something good, let me know about it. Bye.